Mm. Here we go. Oh, there we go. Ooh, ooh. Should we get right into it? This is the second we time should. recording this. Ooh. Oh, fuck. Hey, everybody. <laughs> How are you doing? Play How side can you go? Cha-cha, <laughs> right meow. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's Jesus. It, <laughs> God, I feel like my brain is scrambled. I think that's what happens after you have a long day and then you drink a ton of really strong coffee. Your brain just becomes scrambled and is generally a mess. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm back. I'm in the world of the living. I saw the dark side of the moon this past weekend with the flu. Um, it wasn't COVID, but. Yeah, I'm back. I'm recovered. And uh Yay. Yeah. So that's great. <laughs> yeah. I I had a great weekend. Went swimming again, but I didn't put my mm. head under the water in the lake. So I'm also feeling a little better. I just had a little cold, no no flu, no COVID, no nothing like that. Um, and then figured out Saturday that oh. I've got another class starting in the middle of my summer classes and yeah, but it'll be all right. I prayed about Hmm. it. So. (laughs) (laughs) Oh no, it'll be fun. It's creative writing. Hey, it's, it's, (laughs) it's fun. It'll be like a little escape. It'll be, it'll be great. So yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's the middle of the week y'all. It's, uh, Hey, hi, welcome to freaks of a feather. (laughs) (laughs) My name is Emily Wooten, and this is Mary. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Um, So today we're going to be talking about something very interesting. I'm sure like like many people out there, we I know that I've Googled this before I went into a deep dive. Mm -hmm. I'm sure there are plenty of people that have Googled what is the difference between psychopathy and sociopathy? Psychopathy and sociopathy are both layman's terms for antisocial personality disorder. And the in the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders, there's a fifth edition, came out in 2013. There are three categories of major personality and or mood disorders. Now, there's A, B, and C. So, psychologists refer to cluster B a lot as tending to be the most dramatic and erratic kind of combative mental disorders. There are four disorders that exist in cluster B. Those are narcissistic personality disorder. I'm sure most of us have heard of that. Histrionic personality disorder, borderline personality disorder, and antisocial personality disorder. A personality disorder is the is characterized by a pattern of maladaptive behaviors from since childhood that overarching affect one's life negatively. So it affects you socially. It affects your um, relationships, your jobs. Layman's terms, you'll usually hear people talk, say sociopathy and psychopathy. 
And they'll use those terms interchangeably, but they are not the same thing. They are very similar, but they are not the same thing. So psychopathy and sociopathy, the similarities in these people are they break moral codes and social codes and laws, and they truly believe that the rules do not apply to them. So these are people who you think of common decency, like respect and like giving people respecting people's rights to live, to thrive. These people do not respect any of that. Mm -hmm. And most of this comes from the fact that they have poor conception of other people's emotions. There are, there is little to no empathy. Sociopaths Mm -hmm. have some empathy. Psychopaths do not have any empathy. Both sociopaths and psychopaths are known to manipulate and to deceive people in order Mm -hmm. to gain something, whether that's financial, sex, um, privilege, um, class, anything. Psychopaths are born, sociopaths are made. Psychopaths They tend to be manipulative, cunning, and smart. That is the key to Mm -hmm. the psychopath. They are stealthy. They are deceitful, and they are manipulative, much like sociopaths, but they are very meticulous, and they often don't get caught. You won't really see someone be diagnosed as a psychopath because, one, they're not going to seek help because they don't see anything wrong with what they're doing, and two, Psychopaths tend to be very good at covering their tracks. They are very methodical. Um, Sociopaths, on the other hand, are reactive. They are Mm -hmm. sloppy and generally are disinhibited and have poor self-control. So a lot of like the sadistic um, serial killings involving sexual thrills and whatnot, you're going to see... Most of that is sociopathy. Now, there definitely are psychopaths that are serial killers. Oh, yeah. But psychopaths are said to be to be born. There are studies that's, that say that there are parts of their brains that are not as developed as typical human beings. Um, mm-hmm. Generally, the centers that control... Empathy and impulse control are underdeveloped in psychopaths. People who present with psychopathy have underdeveloped centers for empathy and impulse control. They cannot feel empathy for other human beings. Sociopaths are actually individuals who are callous. They have a deceitful behavior. And this behavior is shaped primarily by environmental factors such as you know, childhood abuse or exposure to violence um, while they were Mm -hmm. growing up. And these behaviors start to develop and figure, you know, who this person is. So psychopathy, most of the time, like you said, those people, they're born with that. That's not something that develops now. If they did have a rough childhood, it's it's definitely not not going to help things. No, no. (laughs) 
but they like, like you said, they're both under this cluster B category. Um, so there are these comorbidities that you can have under this umbrella as well. So you can have sociopathy or psychopathy and also have some other things like anxiety Mm, disorder, depression, ADHD, bipolar mixed in with that, which just, I cannot even imagine. And I mean, they say Mm -hmm. if you have depression with antisocial personality disorder, it can be displayed a lot with anger. Mm -hmm. You can have multiple clusters under these subtypes. So yeah. Yeah. So you have nomadic antisocial personality disorder, which involves schizoid behavior and avoidant features from cluster A. Then you have malevolent antisocial disorder, which involves like sadistic and paranoid features. Covetous antisocial disorder, which involves negativistic features. Yeah, which more negativity. And then you have risk-taking antisocial disorder, which has more histrionic features. And then reputation-defending antisocial, Mm -hmm. which is somebody that has more of a dominant narcissistic feature Mm -hmm. to it. So, And you could have all. (laughs) You could have them all. I mean, really, the sky is a limit. It just depends on um, (laughs) which card you've drawn in life. Um, Um, unfortunately, like you said, with treatment, if you have psychopathy, there's pretty much no hope. Um, you can, they do a lot of therapy and work on people that have made it to prison when they eventually do get caught. But like you said, a lot of psychopaths, they don't. Um, and if they do, they maybe die trying to not get caught. Um, so let's just say the ones that get caught are usually the ones that are criminals. There are tons of psychopaths out there that are not criminal. Well, aren't murderers. Aren't murderers, I should say. I'm sure there are plenty of criminals. (laughs) Yeah, they're they're busy people. They, whatever they're doing, it's big to them, whether it's achieving money, whatever that goal is that person has, they're they're going to get it one way or another. And if they have to hurt somebody, kill somebody, <clears throat> mm-hmm. rape somebody, whatever it might be, they're going to yeah. do it because it doesn't seem like a problem to them. But nonetheless, I mean, there are medications that you can take to lessen some of these symptoms like mm-hmm. antipsychotics and um, antidepressants and mood stabilizers. And you can use a combination of those to lessen your symptoms. and. But the thing is, you know, it's, it's a long-term disorder. You're not going to get rid of it. You know, psychopaths Mm -hmm. are born with it and sociopaths, they develop this as a child and there's no getting rid of it. You can go to therapy, um, group therapies with other people that might have, um, cluster B type symptoms, whether it be, you know, sociopathy, whatever, borderline, you can work Mm -hmm. on it, but eh. If you're a psychopath, there's really not. And if you are in those therapies, you're just faking it until you can make it. And a lot of sociopaths, there's not a lot of hope either. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're just, you know, they're in the same boat. They're, they act a little bit differently. But as far as seeking treatment and getting help, they almost mm. always will never seek treatment. Um, not willingly. Seek- 
or see that anything is wrong with them. And in fact, like in Med Circle, which we both watched with Dr. Romani, Mm -hmm. she was explaining how even if you do get someone who is a textbook psychopath or sociopath in therapy, oftentimes they're trying to outfox the therapist. They're trying Mm -hmm. to trick the therapist. They're trying to prove that they're smarter than the therapist. Mm -hmm. Or constantly... Especially in the legal system, they're trying to game the system. And yeah. boy, will we meet some people today who oh, tried gosh, to yeah. game the system. I'm going to be talking about Amelia Dyer. I want to take you back to the 19th century, Mary. We're going to go back to England, 19th century, Victorian era. Everybody smells like piss. Everybody's miserable. Women have. No rights. Women are treated like shit. Um, <laughs> and a lot of people aren't practicing safe sex, obviously. And there are a lot of unwanted pregnancies. So this is way before the foster care system and the the adoption system as we know it today existed. So... I can't hear you if you're saying anything. I was wondering that. Okay. <laughs> I couldn't remember if flashing or it stand. I don't know. I hit the mute button and then forgot what when I hit it. Okay. <laughs> okay, you're fine. I'm, okay. I can't hear you. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Jesus Christ. Oh, anyways. <laughs> so yeah, there's a lot of unwanted pregnancies. Um, there actually was a law passed during this time in England, I forget what it's called. I should have written it down, but it essentially decrees that fathers are not beholden to expectant mothers. So they don't have to pay child support. They don't have to do anything, be involved in any way. It's on the woman. Hmm. It's on you. Jeez. Yep. Doesn't, yep. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Yep. It's on you. So, what are you going to do, especially if you're a poor woman who's working for ends meet? How are you going to take care of this baby? Well, a lot of times you can't, so you got to find a solution. And the solutions were nurses that would take in infants into their houses and either nurse them and raise them as their own, or they would adopt them out to other people. And they got um, a derogatory name, and it was they were called baby farmers. Why there were plenty of practitioners of quote unquote baby farming that did take care of the children, did send them mm-hmm. to um, school, all of this. I mean, for instance, Jane Austen and her siblings—they were all fostered to these nursing, quote on nursing establishments Mm -hmm. there were a handful of individuals like amelia dyer who were not interested at in all at all in helping or treating the infants their sole obsession with this occupation what was with it as a capitalist endeavor so they would Mm. do whatever was necessary to earn that money. 
Mm, yeah. So these women, oh gosh, unwed sometimes. Like we had talked earlier in an earlier episode about the doctor um, in Georgia, was it? Yeah, in McKaysville, Georgia. Um, doctor Hicks. What's his Hicks. fucking face? Yeah, yeah. Yes. So much overpopulation. There were so many unwed mothers. So many um, unwanted pregnancies. Sometimes they would take the unwed mother in and take care of her until she gave birth and then take the baby. But oftentimes it was just, oh, here, I had this baby here. Can you take it? Oh, well, you're going to need to pay me up front a lot of money to take this baby. Ooh. Yeah. So this was a capitalist venture for a lot of people. Yeah. Which led Jeez. to some very nasty practices. So, yeah. a report in the Times from 1870 is quoted as follows My conviction is that children are murdered in scores by these women, that adoption is only a fine phrase for slow and sudden death. Wow. Yeah one of the most prolific child murderers of this era was Amelia Dyer. And Amelia Dyer was born the youngest of five children in Pyle Marsh, just east of Bristol in the UK. She was taught to read and write at an early age, which was a sign of her privilege. Mm -hmm. um, and I want that to be clear that not all psychopaths have horrible childhoods. There mm -hmm. are some startling um, accounts, even mo modern day accounts. Mm -hmm. I just read one um, by Amy Chesler mm -hmm. about the account where her brother was born a psychopath, basically, um, murdered their mother. Gosh. By all means, he had a loving, regular childhood. And a lot of, you know, you hear about these school shooters, mothers of these school shooters who report that their children have pretty typical lives growing up. So wow. it's not always, oh, we're, we've suffered. That's what's made us become this. Yeah. Um, so Amelia Dyer, um, she had, her father was a cobbler. Her mother contracted typhus, and the kids, especially Amelia, um, were set to take care of their dying mother, which is fucked up. Mm -hmm. But that was pretty commonplace during this time. Not saying it was right, but death, the mortality rate was phenomenal <laughs> during mm -hmm. this time. Period. Yeah. For instance, yeah. she had an older and younger sister that both died before they reached, I don't want to say seven years old. It was very wow. common to bury your children. It was very common. Death was just a thing that people, you know, lived with um, side by yeah. side. And it was horrible that her mother died, but her mother had fits of um, kind of... Uh, emotional outbursts it seems and mm -hmm. a lot of people say that this is what kind of marred Amelia but there was something else special in this suit because 
we'll get to that later. Um, <laughs> at the age of 24 in 1861, she moved to Bristol and married a 59-year-old man where she gets her namesake from named George Thomas Dyer. They had two children, Marianne, known as Polly, and William. Amelia started training as a nurse around this time. Worked in a psych ward, I believe. And she was working as just your typical nurse. And then she came across a woman named Ellen Dane. Now, Ellen Dane had some peculiar ideas when it came to making a fast buck. Oh, okay. So, Ellen introduced Amelia to the idea of becoming a caretaker or a baby farmer. But, but Ellen had an interesting take on this business. And, you know... Sure, you could take care of the babies, take them in your home, try to rehome them, or you could just let them die. Slip away into the night. Good night, baby. (laughs) Good night, baby. (laughs) And so that's what a lot of these baby farmers did so that they could take in more numbers, make more money, have greater turnover, not spend a lot of money on food and supplies for the babies how they would do it is they would sedate babies with opiates typically a syrup containing opium which was also colloquially called mother's friend and what this does yeah (laughs) what this does is it keeps the baby in a constant state of being high so they're disinclined towards food and then they're not gonna be reacting and crying for food so therefore you can just slowly starve them to death by keeping them high oh god yep and then the coroner would come and he would pronounce the infant dead and see that it had starved to death and all the baby farmer had to say was well i tried to nurse it but it just wouldn't take and that's what ellen dane introduced introduced the idea of to amelia dyer and amelia dyer indeed started doing just that so she would advertise herself in and her abilities in newspapers she would meet with the clients and assure them, oh, I'm trustworthy. I'm a married woman. I have children. Let me take care of your precious little one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Come on, put it here in me arms. Give it to me, rough paws. <laughs> <laughs> just see. And if you look up a picture of Amelia Dyer, she is just a heinous looking old woman. Just a, just uh-huh. a fucking... She just looks like a troll from under the bridge. So you can imagine in Victorian garb, tattered clothing. Eh, I'll take care of your baby. We'll keep it nice and warm. Rob army fire. (laughs) (laughs) Here's some mother's friend. Yum, Um, yum, yum. Yeah, so 
they would meet with these um, perspectives. She would meet with these perspective clients. And she would sometimes they would be like, can we pay in increments for you to take care of our child? Because sometimes these mothers and fathers, rarely fathers, rarely, (laughs) but sometimes these parents would come back later to take their children home when they had more money or were more established. Oh, God, like a pawn shop. (laughs) Jesus Christ. Basically, basically. I mean, that still happens in fosters, the foster care system today. Mm-hmm. That happens. Um, but it's regulated. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, so they wanted to pay in increments. But Amelia Dyer was like, nah, I need all the money up front. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. they were really busy. You know, they had a lot of lot of babies they had to take care of. So they didn't want to waste time, you know? Oh, Yeah. So Mm -hmm. they would pay up front a hefty fee. Later, they would come back. The people who cared would come back, try to claim their baby. And, oh, unfortunately, Junior didn't make it. (laughs) What? What do you mean? What happened? (laughs) But as you can imagine, that becomes kind of an annoying thing to have to an annoying business um, interaction that you have to have. So what would be better? Amelia started ghosting the parents. Basically, what she would do, and this is so fucked up, what she would do is she would advertise taking the baby after she got the money. Then she would let it starve to death. Corner comes, proclaims it dead. She would do this with well, just one after the other. Baby's dying. And then the doctors who were pronouncing these children dead and the parents would get suspicious. So Amelia Dyer would ghost them and move towns. Jesus. Or if she was being suspected, she would immediately clean house, hide everything, you know, basically clean everything and check herself into a mental institution. Mm. She had worked in a mental asylum earlier and she, (laughs) she knew what it took to appear psychotic and to be kept as a patient. And she would do this. So she would check herself into an asylum to be a permanent patient if she thought she was going to go to prison, if they thought she thought they were on her tail. As soon as the heat cooled off and she realized that no one was coming for her, she'd check herself right out. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. In 1879, a doctor who was frequently called to her household started suspecting her. Well, mm-hmm. did a little inver- investigation. They found that she was guilty of neglecting children. She did not get sentenced to prison. She just did six months hard labor. Oh, wow. Right after, went right back to nursing and quote-unquote caring for infants. Wow. So, taking the infant, get the money, kill it, get rid of it get suspected, check herself into a mental hospital, or relocate. 
That's her, that's the cycle that keeps happening over and over again. But Dyer, you know, she got more creative with how she was getting rid of the infants. Dyer started strangling the babies. And she would do it by wrapping seamstress tape or edging tape that you use for when you're sewing, wrapping it around their necks and watching them slowly suffocate. Jeez. So a case study of this, she had put an ad in a paper, of course, She had all these aliases, by the way. She wasn't just Amelia Dyer the whole entire time. She had all of these aliases because she had to change specs. She had to change towns. She had to change her identity. Amelia Dyer put an ad in the newspaper pretending to be a married woman named (laughs) Mrs. Harding. (laughs) And that she wished so much to have a baby. That she was a married woman who couldn't conceive and she would take any baby that you had. (laughs) Only 10 pound. Well, she received a letter from a woman named Evelina Marmon. So Marmon needed her daughter Doris to be adopted out. And so she got in contact with, quote unquote, Mrs. Harding. Mm-hmm. And they agreed to terms. They met up. Dyer pushed Marmon to give her all the money up front. Marmon wanted to do the pay in increments because she wanted her baby back. She made it known up front. She's like, she was a barmaid at the time and she wasn't making a lot of money and she wanted um, to get more established. And then she would come back and get her baby. So, little Doris is taken by Mrs. Harding. And (laughs) she tells Doris's mother, I'm going to take the baby back to Reading, where she lived at the time. She does not go back to Reading. Instead, she stops off in London. And instead, she stops off in London at her daughter Polly's house. And she proceeds to take the seamstress tape and wrap it around baby Doris's throat and kill her. Oh, geez. Dyer later said during one of her confession papers and one of her confession papers, I used to like to watch them with the tape around their neck, but it was soon all over with them. Oh God. Dyer then pawned off baby Doris's clothes and even gave her shoes to her landlady as a gift. Baby Doris had not been disposed of yet, which, by the way, <laughs> where is she putting these babies? Right. She's she's putting them in a bag and dropping them in the River Thames. Oh, God. The next day after she had murdered baby Doris, she accrues another baby named Harry Simmons. Mm. She didn't have enough tape left over to strangle to strangle this baby. So she oh, took what it a shame. from Oh, right. Yeah. So she took it from Doris's body and tied it and used it again on the baby boy. I don't know, it's just fucking horrible. Yeah. 
Both bodies were loaded into a carpet bag with bricks and thrown into the River Thames. Mm. But this would be this this method would be her undoing. So on March, I mean, it's really fucking dark shit. Like it's so dark. It's yeah. so horrible. <laughs> um, it's just there's not really a lot of area to joke about. She's just, ooh, it's just it's really just. It's, but you can see like the planning, the cunning, the deceit. The mimicry, putting on that you're a, a well-to-do, like a well-to-do, really a just mother of the year, like I'll take care of yeah. your baby. And then viciously, not even just letting them starve, viciously killing these babies. Yeah. Um, and enjoying <sighs> it to get money, to get a profit. Um so Amelia Dyer's downfall on March 30th, 1896, a bargeman discovers a package in the Thames River. Inside is the body of a baby girl later identified as Helena Fry. So mm. the constable of Reading of the Reading Borough Police Department and was investigating the package and the body and found a faintly legible name written on the package. And it was Mrs. Thomas. And next to it, it had an address. So this leads to, of course, Amelia Dyer and her new alias, Mrs. Thomas. So mm. they convened with the Bristol police where Dyer lived. And listened to various eyewitness testimonies of people that had seen um, Amelia Dyer dropping bags and packages into the river. Jeez. Yes. So they put her under surveillance because they didn't have any proof. Mm -hmm. So they put her under surveillance and they hired a decoy client to get her services. And this was to get her out in public so they could arrest her before she planned to flee. They had, like, I think they had a general address. Like, they knew the town that she was in. They knew she was in Bristol. Mm -hmm. But they didn't know exactly where she was staying. So they find out the address. They show up on her front door. And on April 3rd, the police raid Dyer's home. She, the entire house stinks of decomposition. Oh, yep, and decay. Mm. There were no remains found, but what they did find were tell were the following. It's pretty oh, bleak. God. Telegrams regarding adoption arrangements, pawn tickets for children's clothes, clothes. Receipts of advertisements, letters from the children's mothers, countless and countless letter letters. So this bitch kept these letters that these mothers had sent asking about their children. Oh, gosh. So fucking sick. And plenty of seamstress tape. 
Wow. They calculated by the date, the dated letter letters that were in her possession at the time, the most recent letters, they calculated that previous to her um, arrest, she had killed 20 children in the previous months. Oh my so, gosh. Based on that, they calcu- they have a rough estimate that she probably murdered nearly or more than 400 infants in her entire career. Holy shit. Yeah, idle hands are the devil's playground, but my hands seem to be doing the devil's work no matter what I do. <laughs> um, oh, gosh. What a nasty a- woman. On April 4th, she is arrested along when, get this, her son-in-law and her daughter hmm oh no oh it's a family affair they dredge the river thames and they find six more bodies including a bag filled with baby doris and baby harry each body had been strangled with the white seamstress tape Dyer pleaded that her daughter and son-in-law were innocent, and due to lack of evidence, Arthur Palmer was released. But Polly was still still going to trial. Ooh. On May 22nd, Amelia Dyer pleads guilty to one murder only, and that was the murder of <sighs> Doris Marmon. A man stood witness to seeing Dyer dispose of two bodies. And Dyer's daughter, Polly, turned on her and gave a graphic account that um, pretty much sealed Dyer's fate. Amelia tried to plead insanity, but the investigators looked into her past and like realized the correlation between times that she was about to get caught and times that she ooh, I'm going to check myself into the asylum <laughs> real quick. Yeah, so they they caught got her number. So it took the jury four and a half minutes to find her guilty. During her three weeks in lockup, she filled five books with her, quote-unquote, last true and only confession. Oh, God. About all of the children she had murdered. Yep. On Wednesday, June 10th, 1896, Amelia Dyer faces the noose. Mm. She is dropped precisely at 9 a.m. Oh. Before she's dropped, she is asked if she would like to have any last words, and she says, I have nothing to say. She became known as the Ogress of Reading. Later wow. on, although Polly was acquitted... Because there was evidence of shit in Polly's apartment in London. She was acquitted. But it is speculated that she went on to farm more babies. Oh, gosh. Yeah. That is the story of Amelia Dyer. And I think she is a textbook psychopath. If there ever was yeah. one. I don't think there was any hope for her. No. Good lord. Ugh. 
I have got an example of somebody who I feel meets a sociopathic personality. Personality. Yeah. Um, unless you've been living under a rock, um, I'm sure you've <laughs> had the displeasure of knowing about Joe Dirt's evil twin brother, aka uh <laughs> Joseph Schreibvogel or Joe Exotic. Tiger King. Um, legally, he had his name changed to Joseph Allen Maldonado Passage because he had multiple husbands. But, you know, we'll get into that. Most people know about him, I'd hope. So, yeah, he's <laughs> known for these are his good shining, shining parts. Right. So he's known as this American media personality, a businessman uh, and a convicted felon. And he was operating the Greater Wynwood Exotic Animal Park, the GW Zoo, in Oklahoma from 1998 to 2018. Uh, Joe himself said, though, people don't come to see the tigers. They come to see me. So (laughs) it wasn't all about these animals and rescuing them. It was more about, yeah, so that he could showboat and wear his stupid buckle and stupid pants and stupid mullet and everything right well joe is most notably known for the center of the 2020 pandemic no not covid but however the netflix documentary called tiger king that was released last year it was Mm -hmm. um a nice solace away from the crazy year that we were having with the pandemic um oh but it was just it's... rife with like if you the schadenfreude <laughs> the, yeah like look at look look at this heck look at this this complete the... shock and you know most people yeah. think that hey this is just an act this is him this is a character right mm-hmm. no this is this is him and i think that's what shocked everybody like nope this is an actual fucking guy, and this is how he acts. Um, so Exotic is currently writing this autobiography in jail. Um, he's seeking a pardon currently from President Joe Biden, and he's actually undergoing some tests to confirm if he has prostate cancer or not. He's been working with this attorney named John Michael Phillips, and he's been filing for this motion for a new trial. And on July 15th, my son's birthday, Uh, U.S. appeals court ruled um, his sentence was too harsh that he had two separate murder attempts and they were treated as separate convictions. So on July 21st, his sentence was reduced from 22 years to 17 years. So Mm -hmm. as many people noticed, I think, while watching this documentary, that it was fucking filled to the brim with these mouth-breathing Oklahoma rednecks who were not cut out to run or operate an exotic zoo whatsoever. Um, Joe being the ringleader of this, um, the zoo was the biggest of its kind in the United States, and they housed up to about 700 animals, lions, tigers, pumas, ligers, tigans, lots of animals, lots of exotic animals. So you've got to imagine these workers that Joe hired were addicts. They were felons. They were people that were down on their luck. And Joe had even stated at some point, I had my days of Coke. I had my days of drinking. I had my days 
of math. And um, instead of giving his workers like a second chance or a place to get well and heal with these animals, he ended up housing them. them and yeah, he totally did. So he ended up housing them in these rundown trailers. And if you've seen the documentary, it was just disgusting and deplorable. These houses uh, or trailers that he put them up in, he paid them little to nothing for their work. And if they were good or, you know, to make them feel special, they got first dibs on this truckload of expired meat he would have hauled in from Walmart. Oh, so he me. would. Yeah. So they would like make pizzas with it and different stuff like that. But it was mainly to feed the tigers because he's just such a businessman, right? This is well, he can't fucking afford yeah. to feed them. He couldn't take care no. of them. No. So this is like the difference between like a psycho like a psychopath would have been a lot more calculated and probably would have been a successful businessman. He's more to me of a social like a um a sociopath because I mean he's like we said he's just all over the damn place and he really he truly mm-hmm. is. It's all reactionary. I mean, like yeah, he knows how to manipulate not, people. He's good at it. Yeah. He's good at oh, exploiting yeah. people, but mm-hmm. he's he's not organized by any stretch of the imagination and he's sloppy. Yeah, Very and he's sloppy. just this perfect amount of like redneck charming. And mm-hmm. he can be charismatic and be funny when he wants to be, but uh, there's there's something not going on quite right in his head. And you know, you're having all these people that you hire in to the zoo there's drug use going on there's domestic abuse by him and countless other people and there's violence to animals that Mm -hmm. he's inflicting on these animals and probably teaching people the wrong way to take care of them so there's been so many animals that have ended up dying just due to neglect and just sometimes i mean the guy shot tigers i mean he literally just fucking killed them so like Joe, he had some issues in his childhood. So his dad didn't approve that he was gay. And pretty much when he found out, he said, don't show up to my funeral. So you've got child issues to start off with. And then he just develops into this egotistical monster eventually. Um, uh, it's so- like, did that even get said? Or is that just something Joe invented to be part right. of his? You never know his backstory yeah yeah you can't you you can't say for sure right so all we know is what we've seen on the documentary and that was enough to throw his ass in jail so mm-hmm. this clearly wasn't a healthy environment for the workers and most definitely posed a danger to patrons uh who entrusted joe and the staff um a worker and had actually had her arm toward the shreds. I don't know if people can remember this part, but Torn she was reaching right off. Yep. Yeah. That she got it stuck in a tiger's cage and it ripped her arm off. And he, his reaction was just awful. He'd went into like the gift shop at the zoo and he just stated, well, just about an hour ago, we had an incident where one of the employees stuck their arm through the cage and the tiger tore off her arm. I can give you your money back or I can give you a rain check. I mean, he just point blank just stated it to the patrons. I mean, he could have just said like, yeah, so we've he, had an incident. Nobody else has been oh, harmed. Yeah. Um, we want to go ahead and close stuff down because we just want to make sure everybody's safe. 
We can give you a refund, no, yada, yada, right? Show, no. no, he went. I mean, he was all about that attention. So he, of course he had to give, you know, gruesome detail to it. It was more about, well, fuck, I can't make money on to on this one. Oh, shit. How will I financially recover? <laughs> yeah. Oh, gosh. So clearly he has this exaggerated self um, sense of self poor purpose. So he was even posing in the documentary for like a photo sh- uh, shoot <laughs> dressed up literally like a king and. They're just toting him around on this fancy chair. He's got the crown. He's got the staff, everything, the robe. He is dressed up like a king for a photo shoot. Because he didn't think that this documentary or documentary series was going to be critical of him. He thought it was going to be detailing his life and all the goings on at the zoo. (laughs) Like, he thought he was going to be fucking Yeah, he thinks he's hot shit. Yeah, well, he's famous, but not because he's awesome. Um, (laughs) So this dumbass even ran for president in 2016. Mm -hmm. And he even ran for governor, too. But I'd rather talk about this because his presidential campaign ad went as such. The first thing is, I'm not cutting my hair. I'm not changing the way I dress. I refuse to wear a suit. I am gay. I have... I ha- I've had two boyfriends most of my life. I've had some kinky sex. I've tried drugs. I'm broke as shit. I have a judgment against me from some bitch down there in Florida. I paid the fine with the USJ. That does not mean I was convicted of any kind of animal cruelty thing. I have one of the biggest facilities of exotic animals in this country as far as private individuals go. I'm Joe Exotic. And don't forget, I'm now stepping my foot in the ring to run for president. Jesus. Who the fuck? Who the fuck? I, I think he really thought he could win, too. Like, well, nobody thought Trump would win either. But look, <laughs> look how that went. <laughs> um, <laughs> gosh. But, you know, as his campaign states, he is a proud homosexual, but he's also a polygamist. So. He's bagged multiple husbands, and I say husbands loosely because most of the marriages were unofficial. Like at some point they weren't legal, and then some point they were, and then some were just like random ceremonies. Like I'll get into it because I mean right. his so whole he, romantic side, yeah, is weird. He left kind of he kind of this ripple effect. He kind of like it kind of, it affected everyone around him negatively. He ruined a lot of people's lives, especially the men that he was like emotionally invested with the people that were his partners. Oh, I mean, yeah. it's messy. So he had his first partner technically was this guy named Brian Ryan. And he actually died of eight from complications of HIV back in 2001. So the following year, he started a new relationship with this guy named J.C. Hartpence. Um, he was an event manager who aided him with this traveling animal show he had at the time. Um, in the middle of 2003, John Finley was hired as an employee of that zoo that he was now running. And mm. within a month, he began a relationship with Exotic as well. Mm. So by this point, the relationship between Exotic and Hartpence had deteriorated owing uh, to drug and alcohol addiction. Um, And it finally ended after Exotic threatened to kill Hartpence and feed his remains to the zoo's largest tiger. 
So that guy later woke up, later woke exotic up by putting a gun to his head. And it had this reaction that led to Hart Pence's arrest. So he's actually in jail now. And later he was convicted of child molestation and first degree murder. Jesus Christ. That was boyfriend number one. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, you're just starting out <laughs> strong and it just gets worse and worse. Yeah. Travis Maldonado arrived at the zoo in December 2013. And like Finley, they rapidly began this relationship with Exotic. Um, both of them were unofficially married, like I said, to each other. And that was like less than a month later um, in a three-partner wedding ceremony. Yeah, those were the two that you see in the documentary. So there's like the dark-haired guy, um, and then there's the guy with the busted-up teeth, and that's Finley. So they eventually fell out, and following an incident in the zoo's car park, Finley was arrested and charged with assault and battery. So in 2015... Joe Exotic legally wed with Maldonado and his legal name became Joseph Maldonado, like I mentioned earlier. So, however, neither Finley or Travis Maldonado identified as homosexual at all. And they had had multiple affairs with women during this entire time. Um, And Finley actually ended up impregnating one of the zoo's receptionists there. So he eventually ran off with her and left in. And then that left uh, Travis Maldonado there. And he just uh, kept having sex with random chicks at the zoo that worked there uh, behind Joe's back, essentially. I mean, Joe pretty much gave them whatever they wanted. They had always been so they guys. were like they were they were hired wives. <laughs> yeah. So he I mean, he uh, bought Finley, I think, like two or three different trucks. And so stuff. I they mean, he were was buying de- their love. They're pretty much dependent on Joe Exotic. Yeah. Jesus like Christ. I said, the people that he brought into this park, they were down and out on their luck. They were either, you know, addicted to drugs or, you know, had ran mm. into issues. They were felons or whatever. They couldn't get work somewhere else. They couldn't get a place to live. Cause if you have a record half the time, it's really hard to find a place oh, yeah. that will let you rent there. So, I mean, oh, yeah. he was, he was offering a lot, like, here's a place to stay. Oh, you can stay in my bed if you don't mind, you know, sleeping with me every once in a while, you know, I'll make it worth your time. And just taking yeah. advantage of these people. Oh God, Jesus. And what's sad is like, while like Joe exotic is spiraling the fuck out of control. He's just bringing everybody down with mm-hmm. him and unfortunately on october 6th of 2017 travis maldonado had fatally shot himself at the zoo in front of um his campaign manager which was this Jesus. guy that worked behind the counter at walmart oh, God, selling yeah. ammunition and stuff and that guy was actually you know just a decent kid it was probably the best little gig that he could get around there and yeah, Maldonado was like just playing with this gun. He was like, oh, I'm going to take the magazine off and I'm going to show you something to preview something. And he literally blew his brains out right there in front of that guy. So what's sick is at his memorial service, which they held at the zoo, Exotic had stated that God put Maldonado on earth to make him smile and uh, stated that his balls were like golden nuggets. What in front fuck? of his family. Yeah, I know. I'm just like, okay. So weird. He had balls like golden nuggets. I'm going to miss him. <laughs> Why the fuck <laughs> would you say that? 
like so in front weird. of his mom and stuff like people that are so grieving weird. <laughs> i'm gonna miss his nuts like what the fuck <laughs> it's so weird ah <laughs> uh, so that same year he ended up marrying this guy named dylan passage um that was another official wedding so now he's got this name travis maldonado passage one of the witnesses to the wedding was actually travis maldonado's mother this was like oh my god yeah i remember this oh Jesus. not very I- long after he died not very long yeah. at all Ugh, but that relationship started to experience a strange uh, a strain after passage didn't want to answer one of exotics calls for whatever reason um people started suspecting they had broken up and then on friday of march 26 passage revealed on instagram that he and exotic are seeking a divorce but on good terms and that he'll continue to have exotic in his life he's probably you know paying him good money to not say a bunch of shady shit about him the Mm -hmm. day after passage announced that he and exotic were divorcing passage announced in july 2021 that he is now in a relationship with a man closer to his age named john and exotic initially wished the couple well but stated that he would like to have been told by passage himself himself rather than tmz and he later referred to him as a dumbass because of that yeah i mean (laughs) yeah what's crazy is he started now he's single right as of july of this year and he like started this contest called the bachelor king oh he's in prison by the way okay over uh where men that are over 18 years old can fill out an application and be processed to be the next husband of exotic and the winner of the contest uh, mm. a guy named seth p became exotic's current partner in late july 2021 oh, but yeah wolf. now he's got this new boyfriend that um won this contest yeah woof uh and of course you know to top the cake yeah. Yeah. So the reason yeah. he's in prison, which I know most everybody knows this, but he was charged with murder for hire of Carol Baskins. She was um, this rival of his that ran this big cat rescue. And she was an activist of these exotic animals and tigers. And they butt heads constantly constantly he's mm-hmm. making videos mocking her even threatening her he had she had um i guess sued him for something along the lines of that and ended up getting like over a million dollars but i mean he had this song because oh, yeah. oh, by the way he's a fucking wannabe country singer um, that's the- there's a song called here kitty kitty and yeah. uh, he doesn't sing the song at all he doesn't sing it at all. It's just somebody else, but he just, I guess, claims to sing it. But it just shows somebody depicting Carol Baskins, and he's violently murdering her in these videos. Oh, yeah. And, you know, he's practicing with guns on, on the zoo's property, shooting things like, oh, Carol Baskins, bam, 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 die, bitch. You know, yeah. just absolute madness. Um, So he eventually... Mm-hmm. does try to hire somebody and they end up being an <laughs> FBI agent and they take him down. And with that, you know, it's just so stupid. It's just like, it is. Oh, and then that scumbag who now runs the, the zoo. God, that guy. Oh, <sighs> everybody in yeah. this story is a sociopath. Yeah. 
to some degree. Yeah, I think Everybody. so. Like every even Carol Baskins. Person. Yeah. Oh, I mean Carol Baskins. I mean, she might be a psychopath. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, a successful psychopath. I mean, she's yeah. She um she yeah her her husband had is supposedly missing but a lot of people speculate that she murdered him and that was his whole thing like well he she's could've... just a murdering bitch <laughs> but like he was also like fucking wealthy beyond imagination mm-hmm. he could have just yeah. fucked off somewhere yeah like, yeah. I don't know. I mean, people say, you know, he knew some people in Cuba, so they found his van, like, I don't know, close to an hour away from where she lives, where her little tiger compound is. And um, he got on a private jet because he flew, you know, in his spare time and went to Cuba because apparently he might have been having an affair with a woman there. Yeah, some people speculate connections, yeah, and they killed him. What they don't tell you in the Tiger King documentary is that Carol Baskin's husband was at an absolute horrific loan shark. Like he would mm. give all of these shit, these really deceitful, like shitty deals to these people and then take them for every cent that they had. Jeez. And so he had a lot of enemies. Oh, a yeah. A lot of enemies. Yeah. So. I can imagine that he fucked with the wrong person. Yeah. Yeah. But he's he's probably dead. Let's be real. But anyway, you know, after getting pretty much pinned for the murder for hire plot that he was caught red handed with, um, (laughs) you know, they uncovered a lot of that animal abuse. So when he wasn't in charge of the zoo anymore, they're like, let's let's check some stuff out. So. He was actually convicted for killing five tigers. Um, he shot them in the head, supposedly, uh, to make room for other cats. Like, oh, bam, bam, bam. This one's mm-hmm. a troublesome one. I'm going to take rid of this one or take care of this one. So, and then they get like a new cub or, you know, I don't know. Well, like they would white do, tiger or they would do those cub shows where they would bring mm-hmm. cubs around and like former former workers and he wasn't the only mm-hmm. one who did this by the way mm-hmm. they would have cub shows they would just they would get these these cubs and then once they were done with them they only kept like a couple of them and they just kill the rest of them yeah it's fucking terrible i mean they they would take them to these malls and stuff like that and then some would be really sick and then they had mm-hmm. like six month old cubs there which they were pretty wild and you know they kept him in a cage and everything but then they had like one worker with their hand all bloody like yeah got me earlier it's oh just God. it's just insane it is. um so he was also caught for selling and trafficking the tigers of course and other endangered species and he oh, yeah. actually falsified government documents to hide his activities in violation of federal laws so he's doing like I said, 17 years in prison. He's in Texas. Yeah, but like I said, he's trying to get a pardon from Joe Biden. Oh, my God. I don't God. think he's going to get it. <laughs> Could you imagine? I, well, I know he expected Trump to pardon him when Trump was pardoning all of his criminal friends. He was like, yeah. I'm going to be pardoned. No. <laughs> no. No. <you're> <laughs> 
And unfortunately, he can't truly sing. So he's not singing himself out of prison. So that is my favorite part of that whole documentary series is him and his horrible music videos. Yes. That you can tell he really believed were high quality. Yes. Oh, my God. Honestly, seeing those videos and just how corny and cheesy they were, they really brought me joy, I have to say, <laughs> last year. Really brought a lot of people joy, I think. So, oh, yeah, I think so. I guess not everything he did was horrible. He was um, a comic relief via yeah. himself unintentionally. I mean, <laughs> he was a big case of schadenfreude for the whole nation to be like, well, fuck. At least I'm not Joe Exotic. At least I'm not that asshole. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Mm. Oh, gosh. But uh, yeah. yeah, I thought he was a pretty good example. Of course, you know, none of that's confirmed. This is me just mm-hmm. putting my opinion out there. That's just what I think. But, you know, mm. I'm not a psychologist or anything. But hey, mm, could be. Know? Could be. Yeah. Um, but, man. Oh Oof. my God, these people! Uh, just talking about them is exhausting. It is. <laughs> They're just like Ugh. I can't even Im- imagine. But if you want a really good book to read, Mary, mm-hmm. or listen to, the audio book is incredible. Amy B. Chesler, um, her book um, "Working for Justice" is mm-hmm. incredible, and it's a memoir about her mother, her mother's legacy. Um, Mm -hmm. and her mother's death at the hands of her brother and her fight for justice to keep him in prison. So, wow. It's written really well. And it's, yeah, that's a crazy story. It's moving. It's really moving. And it, it sucks. It sucks, but it's, it's a, it's a really good, it's a really good book. Wow. Yeah. Well, um, if anybody hasn't, watched the netflix documentary tiger king go check it out um it's there (laughs) yeah you could even just go on youtube and look up you know joe exotic music and you will not be disappointed um but of course for references i referenced wikipedia for both sociopathy and joe exotic I use New York Times, um, Psychology Today, and then, of course, uh, that Medline video we talked about earlier, um, which you can access that on YouTube. So, Yeah, I also used MedCircle with Dr. Romani. Um, She's awesome. Uh, Those interviews are really fantastic. And Mm -hmm. uh, Wikipedia, of course, Psychology Today. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. But yeah, that was um, and, our installment. <laughs> and let me tell you, there were hmm. many people that I had lined up to study under psych- psychopathy. She was the least disgusting one. Oh, okay? gosh. <laughs> she was the yeah. most, the baby killer was the most palatable one. <laughs> okay. Yeah. As far as murderers go. The other ones, yeah. like I I started Oof. like I started to read about John Wayne Gacy. Like, and I've oh, God, I've, yeah. I've read and I've watched different things about him, but you just like the extent of how disgusting 
and just nasty. And it's just, I was mm-hmm. like, I can't, I can't. <laughs> I was like, I'm not yeah. too extreme. He but, needs his uh, own little episode. Oh, oh God, Jesus wept. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> thank you, thank you for listening um, and subscribing. If you have, um, please give us a rating or a review. Um, go see our brand new beautiful website, fofpodcast.com. Marion's Finn Boom created it. Mm, it's beautiful. Yay. Yeah. Go on there. There's a few buttons for our social media outlets, our Instagram and our Facebook. Go ahead and follow us there. We post every Monday when there is a new episode. So go check that out and catch up on some older episodes. If you haven't heard us before, I'm sure they will not disappoint. Yes. And we'll see you next time. Bye. (laughs) Bye. (laughs) 